Blog Talk Radio. I'm definitely looking forward to it. 
We also have Carl with us today. Carl, he's also a new member of the Black Freethinkers family, and he will be on on Fridays. Every other Friday, it'll be him and Alfred. And the alternating Fridays will be Mario and Emily. So, you know, a great start to our weekends there. And Vita shows will be on Thursdays. So it'll be every other Thursday. So we're looking forward, but we wanted to introduce some of the new members of the family with you to, to you guys today. But before we get started on that, I wanted to talk, you know, and everybody, you know, have live mics here, and you can please feel free to join me if you would like. But talk about some of the things that's been happening in the news. Because over the past couple of weeks, I've kind of hit hard about school closings, particularly the school closings here in Chicago. We briefly hit on what was happening in Florida, and, you know, I had a couple of people post articles about the school closings in Philadelphia, and yet again, you know, just the state. This is happening all across this country. But um, the situation in Philadelphia is, they're closing 23 schools to save money. They're claiming that, you know, these schools and these programs are, quote, unquote, underutilized. And, but they found money to build a $400 million prison. And this is why we're always talking to you guys and telling you guys to research, you know, different information, why I post like a mad woman some days about some of the things that are happening, you all need to get a better understanding about the school-to-prison pipeline. It's important that you guys understand what's happening there. And I also posted an article a while ago about the prison, about the land grab and the school-to-prison pipeline. So you guys need to be on top of that. I'm going to post a couple of links a little bit later on today, but, you know, we need to see what's happening and we need to address it because they're closing these schools and the majority of these school closings are in minority communities, so black and Latino communities, communities that are economically and educationally disadvantaged, and they're just making it easier to kind of streamline these children directly from school to prison. And, again, I would encourage you guys to go and, under, go and understand and research the prison industrial complex and how it works. There are some private prisons that are on the market. I mean, they're being traded. They're stocks. They're publicly traded. So you need to get a better understanding as to what's happening and how they are profiting from sending your babies to, to, to prison and sending adults to prison. You know, information is out there. I mean, if you all want to take a look, um, pick up Godless Americana or even Moral Combat from Sakivu. You know, Dr. Hutchinson there, you know, she explains quite a bit of it. We put out information about what, you know, public policy, how some of the public policies streamline some of these programs, you know, and we need to have a better understanding of it. I just think it's important for you to educate yourself because knowledge definitely is power. So, you know, you guys, it's important that you all stay on top of that. And speaking of Dr. Hutchinson, um, there's a call for papers. So women of color out there, there's definitely a call for papers. This is due September 30th, and this is just for abstracts. And basically, uh, for women of color beyond faith, it's going to be an anthology, and we encourage you guys to go ahead and submit your information. I put the link on my wall as well as uh, in a chat room, and Dr. Hutchinson is spearheading this anthology and this project. So we're looking forward to hearing from you guys, and it's going to be a great project. So we encourage you guys to get involved and spread the word. 
you know, put the word out there. You know, we're looking for people of color. So that's just not, you know, African-Americans. That's Africans, Latinos, Asians, indigenous, um, you know, any woman of color. So, you know, we appreciate, you know, the participation there. But, you know, getting back to, you know, the school-to-prison pipeline is happening. But one of the things that I want to emphasize is this is a land grab. It's about getting that property. City property is very, very valuable, especially when you have um, a metropolitan area that is thriving, um, you know, that has a lot of business, a lot of, you know, um, um, Fortune 500 companies, you know, moving into the cities, you know, their corporate offices are there. And, again, look up gentrification, you know, there are a lot of factors that makes this possible. But, again, I just think it's important. Um, The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, we're going to definitely review that um, during our podcast. We're going to have, have, we have a book club. Um, The Bluest Eye, Sister Citizen, and, you know, there are several other books. Um, The other ones, Possessing the Secret of Joy, and we're going to be talking about a lot of these different books, but there's a lot of information that's out there, so we're encouraging you guys to go and look this information up. Another story in the news that I see people up in arms about, which they should be, is this prison. And what PRISM is, is a government surveillance program um, that collects your phone records and basically uh, Internet servers are being tapped, being surveilled. So, you know, people are upset about what's happening with that. And just this information, this information just came to light. You know, there are several different programs out there that have been implemented over the years but you have quite a few people pointing the finger at Barack Obama, and yes, he allowed it to continue. However, this started under the Bush administration. So let's take it back, let's do the research, and then we can discuss it um, in the future. Another article, another piece of information that I think is important for you guys to um, pay attention to and see what's happening. I posted an article about the Moral Mondays. Um, Moral Monday series in Charlotte, North Carolina. And what's happening is they're having peaceful protests against basically fascism. And this last demonstration, they had over 1,600 demonstrators, um, about 151 people were arrested, and that included the mayor. The mayor was arrested as well. And this is going to start spreading across the country. So I need for you guys to really pay attention to what's happening there. And I feel that this should spread across the country. We should be out there protesting some of the legislation that's being passed. And, again, you know, this story has slipped through the cracks. And, you know, as Terry and I, we discussed on my wall today, the only only station I've seen reporting this is MSNBC. So we want to definitely get the word out about what's happening Moral Mondays and you know, again, this goes beyond any ideology because I saw that um, there were some believers that were helping to organize in their churches, you know, these protests along with the NAACP. But I would like to believe that there are some non-believers out there protesting as well. And just to kind of, you know, take it back, even with the civil rights movement, which was a secular movement, the only place that we were able, and we being people of color, we were able to gather 
without being attacked by the police or being bothered by the police or, you know, being charged with mob action, if you will, within the churches. So while the civil rights movement was based in the churches, it was not necessarily rooted in the churches because it was a secular movement, but the only place that we could gather with any semblance of peace was the church. You know, the civil rights movement definitely was not rooted in religion, even though that's what a lot of people want to believe or they're trying to convey, and that's not true. But some of the issues that the people in Charlotte, you know, that they're protesting against, basically fracking um, voter ID and cuts to education, and that's happening all across the country. You know, public schools, they're just pretty much giving up on public education, and we can't allow that to happen. And I've spoken on several, several occasions about these charter schools and the impetus behind that. So you all need to, again, do some more research. I'll try to post some more links this week about what's happening with the charter schools. But charter schools, you know, that is for profit. People are profiting from that. You have venture capitalists that are, you know, um, receiving funding from this. You know, they're profiting from it. But in addition to that, you have foreign entities coming in and purchasing these charter schools. And when they do that and they employ, I believe, a minimum of 10 Americans, what happens is these people are shuttled to the front of the INS line and they're able to, you know, get their citizenship or, you know. Uh, so, again, do your research, understand what's happening and why it's happening. And the majority of these charter schools, you know, they're failing. They're failing. So, you know, do your research, arm yourself with some knowledge, and, you know, it just it helps all of us, you know, if we're more informed to what's happening and why it's happening and who benefits from it. So, um, again, um, you know, I appreciate all you guys, you know, for stopping in and being a part of the show. And, again, we're looking forward to, you know, talking about intersectionality in a free thought community. So I guess I probably should define intersectionality for those who aren't familiar with the concept. So intersectionality is a concept often used in critical theories to describe the ways in which oppressive institutions um, are interconnected and cannot be examined separately from one another and in third-wave feminism especially, thrived on the concept of intersectionality in order to redefine feminism as inclusive. The concept first came from legal scholar Kimberly Crenshaw in 1989 and is largely used in critical theories, especially feminist theory, when discussing systematic oppression. And when they're talking about oppressive institutions, they're talking about racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, ableism, xenophobia, um, classism, and several more. So just to kind of give you an idea as to what they're talking about. And, again, Kimberly Crenshaw, you know, she pretty much coined the the concept. Not pretty much, she did. And she's actually a legal scholar at UCLA and a very, very sought-after legal scholar. So I just think it's important for you all to understand where, you know, this came from and, you know, how it applies to today. You know, intersectionality is extremely important. Um, 
you know, basically some of the principles of it is, you know, to aim for diversity in general and to balance, um, you know, to achieve a gender balance and basically women-friendly communities. You know, um, feminism, it benefits everyone. It benefits men as well. You know, some men do not tend to see that, but definitely, you know, it, it benefits all of us. So I just think it's important that we get a better grasp. I, I posted an article another the other day. This young man wrote an article. He said he thought he was becoming a feminist. And what I'm finding interesting is I see more men, in particular black men, you know, calling themselves feminists. As a matter of fact, our show next week, Black Male Feminists, will have anti-intellect and will have Xavier, Reverend Xavier. So that promises to be a really good show. So, you know, guys, tune in for that. Call in. We're going to have a lot of fun. And, you know, it's been great. It's been great. So, you know, this subject today, you know, it's important, especially in the free thought community, you know, over the past, you know, several years, there has been um, a rise in um, the call for social justice, the call for inclusion, the call for diversity. And one of the sub-movements from this is Atheism Plus. I'm not sure if many of you all are familiar with that, but basically Atheism Plus is a movement, and it was proposed in 2012 by Jen McCrae. You know, she's a blogger, and there are quite a few people who are against and quite a few people that are for Atheism Plus. But with Atheism Plus, you know, they're trying to address not only the critical thinking and skepticism, but they're trying to, you know, address, you know, social justice, feminism, anti-racism, combating homophobia, transphobia, you know, ableism and all of that. So, again, it's multifaceted, and it's important that we get a little bit familiar. You know, I'm not saying to throw your support behind them. You have to do what you feel is best, but I want you guys to know that there are alternatives out there. And, again, there's been a lot of controversy in a lot of different areas, but, you know, uh, with um, McCrate's article, her blog post, she basically said that with Atheism Plus, therefore, Atheism Plus, we care about social justice. Atheism Plus, we support women's rights. Atheism Plus, we we protest racism. Atheism Plus, we fight homophobia and transphobia. Atheism Plus, we use critical thinking and skepticism. So just to kind of let you guys know that there are alternatives out there, um, and, you know, it's, it's, in some cases, it's being attacked. Other cases, um, you know, um, you know, it's being supported. So you know, the main thing is knowing that there are there are alternatives. I think, I think we lost Tiara. Tiara, you dial back in, press one to let me know you want to get back on the line here. But again, you know, you know. Um, there's a lot that we need to address there. You know, Raina is with us as well today, just to kind of let hey, you guys Jen. know. Hey. So, yeah, Hello. you know, just want a brief definition. Yeah, that's Carl. And, Vita, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we lost Tierra. 
So, you know, she gets a chance to call back. Again, the number is 310-982-4273. Again, 310-982-4273. And press 1 if you would like to speak with us. But I gave a, you know, definition of intersectionality. And, again, I want to talk about how it pertains to the free thought community. Because, again, you know, while the black free thought atheist community is it's large but it's small. You know, when you look at the bigger picture, we're just a microcosm. We're just a very, very small percentage, but it's growing. So we are definitely in our infancy, and it's starting to grow. We're starting to develop. We're starting to organize. We're starting to branch out. And, again, you know, you have different ideologies. You have different people, different, you know, uh, agendas, if you will, different goals, different missions, and that's fine. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the common thread is no belief or, you know, some people don't know. So, again, this is not just for atheists. It's agnostics, you know, people that fall all across that different prism there. But, when it comes to diversity and inclusion or intersectionality here, you know, this also applies to the free thought atheist community, and it definitely needs to be addressed. We've done a couple of shows on racism and sexism in the atheist community, and we will continue to do those shows because I believe that it's a conversation that needs to be had. And, you know, we're starting to see more um, inclusion, you know, in the community. However, has it gone far enough? Do they truly understand what's happening? Because I've seen different arguments going back and forth regarding racism. There is, a, you know, a difference between a person being a racist and institutionalized racism. And that's a different, you know, conversation. But, you know, we need to address that. But another subject that has not been addressed, and I've been kind of leading up to this, letting you guys know that I'm definitely going to touch on this subject, and we're going to talk about it today. I want to talk about misogyny in the black atheist community. I think it's important. And this is why I'm always talking about um people bringing some of that religiosity mindset over to the other side of the equation. And, you know, I've seen this firsthand, you know, misogyny not only from non-minorities, but misogyny from men in the black atheist community. And, again, it needs to be addressed, you know, because how are we going to move forward if you're bringing that antiquated mindset over to this side of the equation? And, you know, we need to be able to move on. Um, there's a, a glaring example on my wall in which um, I posted the video from Angela Davis. You know, we were privileged to be able to see her um, in Chicago in May. And I just posted the video and had a young man that's part of the community come over and called her an agent and a communist and a feminazi and um, implied that, you know, she was a lesbian and, you know, as though that were a bad thing. You know, being a member of the LGBTQ community is nothing, it's not a bad thing. But, I mean, again, you know, that's just one example. And I get that type of reaction on different things all the time, you know, whether it's in emails or tweets or it's, it's, it's inboxes. 
but we need to definitely address that. I think we have Travis on the line here. Is that you, Travis? Yes. Yes, I am. How are you doing? Yeah. Good. You How are really you? hit on some really, really great topics in your, your intro about the um, school-to-prison pipeline and um, the, you know, I don't know, factory prisons. <laughs> it's, it's It was wonderful. Uh, and people really need to, and um, the austerity and all of that was just great. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, we definitely, we need to address these issues. But, you know, again, you know, we've talked about the racism and sexism in the free thought community and why intersectionality is important. We're going to go into depth about that today. But I also, you know, I would be remiss if I do not talk about the misogyny that I've been seeing in the black atheist community. If we're going to talk about it, we got to talk about it all. And um, I'd like to go ahead and jump in if that's okay. This is Vita. Yeah, go ahead. Hello. Hello, everyone listening. Um, You know, it's interesting because I feel that I've been uh, attacked many times for being feminist or having um, views that, may not coincide with the traditional, predominantly religious belief of the role of women, or the role of men and women. And even from atheists, I've gotten attacked. I've heard things like, that's why you'll never be able to find a man, which I don't understand that logic, especially since people don't know my relationship status. (laughs) But, (laughs) But people say things like that, and mostly it's because they don't have anything to counter what you just said. And especially with us being women, it's it's like there's an issue with us having our own voice or us having a certain level of intelligence, us having logical thought, because there is a, a belief, an underlying belief, that women are unable or are incapable of being logical. And that's something that also becomes, so even if you defend yourself against these uh, misogynist attacks, you're still a threat to them because now you're showing logic and that's an even bigger issue. So, and this is within, and, and many, and I'm sure anyone who's listening who has participated in many of these um, Facebook groups or online groups where there's, um, even in the black, specifically black atheist groups online, I'm sure many of us have witnessed um, people who are still, for whatever reason, out of religion, but they're still holding on to many of those beliefs that came from Religion. Many of many of the traditions that come from religion. There are homophobic atheists out there, even mm-hmm. though yeah. they say they don't believe the Bible. Even though they say it's all BS or whatever, they still believe in some of the things that they were taught. So the question, I guess, for me, for me, and I would like to ask this to the audience, to listening, to listeners as well as to anyone on the panel: How do we get even ourselves out of? these old way of thinking, because keep in mind, we've been living, especially if you were older when you became atheist, you're still holding on to many, your lifestyle is still very much centered on this belief. It's still centered on the Bible. It's still, and how do we come out of that, which is where I think a lot of this, these misogynist views come from, is still holding on to a lot of those religious ideals. Wouldn't well, it be something I mean, like, shouldn't we, okay. well, should we label it religious think whenever it is that? So if someone's home, atheist and homophobic, you have to say to them, uh, there's uh, no books that are homophobic or where that originates other than the holy books. So you hold on to that is religious I don't thinking. necessarily know that that's true. I mean, the the fact of the matter is that religion definitely does contribute to a lot of these, you know, hateful ideologies. But that's not the only source of these beliefs. I mean, even there are people who believe that women are inherently 
um, more submissive. They're inherently, um, you know, more in tune with nature, you know, and all of this other foolishness that gets spouted. And it has nothing to do with your typical mainstream religions. It's just human beings have developed these constructs that we get stuck in. You know, we we have to, you know, basically challenge these things wherever we find them, you know, because huh. not everyone is coming from the Bible. And even if you were to remove the Bible and, the, and everybody was an atheist tomorrow, we'd still have this foolishness going on and we'd still have to challenge some other foolish ideology that said that, you know, these people are different or should be treated different or looked at different because of A, B, or C. So I think we have to get that out of our heads to begin with. But, I mean, certainly we can challenge, you know, the religion and, and its contribution, but we have to also recognize that a lot of these people are, are not necessarily just coming from religion. We have a culture of misogyny that, you know, while it has it's taken much of its ideas from religion, it's not all from religion, you know. But do, I mean, scientifically, science. I mean, even scientifically, I mean, we, we, we talk about scientific racism. We talk about, I mean, we could talk about scientific sexism. You know, for much of science's history, it, it has tried to assert that women were in, the, in their particular place and needed to be in a particular place because they were women. The whole I, idea of hysteria, where that comes from, the fact that there's something pathological about having a uterus, you know what I mean? That you know, I mean, these are I, things that go back a long time. You know. I I have you I'm ever smelled a baby and wanted to have a baby? I'm sorry. What? Have you ever smelled a baby and then thought about having a baby? I did. Um, not. I mean, I guess maybe once. I mean, but I it was, did. But then it was quickly. Then I quickly well, that forgot was, that idea. That might have been your users <laughs> talking. That, that, the oven no, said, put a baby in the oven. No, no. <laughs> I think I it's more. I think it's more. What? I think it's I more about. I'm pretty sure I wanted one. Yeah, I think it's more about socialization. I mean, what, little girls are are basically shoved into uh, these early, you know, these early, um, you know, uh, training grounds for being a particular way. I mean, we're ushered towards the baby dolls and the you know doll houses and you know the kitchen play sets while and our brothers and cousins or whatever are. Yeah, and they're they're ushered towards the Tonka trucks and the um you know, the Legos and, and that sort of stuff. So we have to keep those things in mind. Well, you know, this I is a much to, larger I, thing. I, I do and I agree with you. I do want to make sure that I do agree with you. Um I but I do want to take it back just a little bit to the religious part of it. I'm not saying that that's the only where the only place where um misogyny has come from and I wasn't really trying to imply that. I guess what I was No, I didn't think that you were. I didn't think that you were. I'm just saying that I think that when we're talking to people about that, we also have to make sure that they understand that this is not the only place that it comes from, that this is a much larger problem than just, you know, do you believe in Jesus? Well, it's a much larger problem. Well, I guess what (laughs) I was trying to say is that, yes, you're right, it's a much larger problem. Um, But I guess when we have religion as a foundation for for many of us, um, who, especially those of us who are raised religious, for those of us who are come from, and they're not even just Christianity, but you come from uh, a lot of this dictates how we create our lifestyles. Not only that, but our society, even how we how our community 
is formed, a lot of it, is, a lot of things are based off of people's religious ideology. And I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. I'm just saying that sometimes that's an underlying issue because that's, it affects right. a lot of how we think. So that's, 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 I want to clear that up. I'm not saying no, no, I, for some misogyny. No, and I and I, I and I under, and I didn't think that you were. I, I just I, I just get um I get very irritated. I think in in not with you, but in terms of the the general dialogue that goes around this in the atheist community is very narrowly focused. You know, oh, I hear. and it seems oh, never to take uh, into account you. these other issues. I mean, I, I, and I agree this, with you. If, if, if I'm sorry, I don't want to cut anyone off. I apologize. Um, I would say this though. Even though religion may have been the root of things and religion started, this was a relay race where it handed it off to, you know, it was a race and religion handed off the baton to, you know, Western culture and parts of science when it took it. So it may have been the root of the thing, but definitely everybody took a turn and, and went at it and has been has been so far doing it. I mean, I'm speaking as, you know, uh, even even in a non-academic way, even in certain parts of the culture that you wouldn't even think about, and I'm talking as a science fiction comic book geek, um, there's this idea, even in that community, even in that niche community, that women can't even be real superheroes, and if they are, they have to do all their crime fighting in bikinis, and they can't be trusted to be leaders because right. they're emotional. Right. So, again, you know, what I'm saying? even in that community, like, like, and I'm just, it's this weird thing. Yeah, I mean, they're non-functional. Recently, they're non-functional, like superheroes. You know, like, like with Doctor Who, there's this show. You know, I don't know. Some of you may know Doctor Who, Doctor Who, and he's a character who's immortal and he can regenerate into any form that he wants and over the last 50 years he's always regenerated into a white a white man Saxon male yeah, yeah. It, and <laughs> over 50 years uh, for a character that's supposed to live for centuries he's never once turned into a person of color or something that i think would be really radical a woman you know uh a woman, look and a woman of color Oh. Or a woman of color. And there's tons yeah. of talented British actresses that could do that of color, yeah. but it's never been suggested. It's never been brought up. And, it, again, it may have started with religion, but everyone, and, and, and sadly, everybody took their turn. Everybody took their turn kind of like it, in, in the way that it may have it, It's the root. We can start with that. But, sure, I, it's so far removed now. Everyone's playing the game. Everyone's playing in the game. I mean, the issue was brought up with how we, you know, market toys and stuff to girls and boys. You know, pink is for girls, blue is for boys. It's, it's going to take time. And it's one of those weird things that, and I'm speaking as a person, I was, I'd like to think that I was always open-minded about a lot of things. But it wasn't until, honestly, I have four sisters, you know, and I have my mother and aunts and everything, and my cousins, and I loved them, and I always respected them, but as my family, it took a while for me to start respecting them as women, and I had to I had to actually sometimes run up against a wall and get a, a good question of who the F do you think you're talking to for me to realize, hey, man, you're being insensitive, or you're being, you know, you're, you're not respecting me as a woman, you know, and... Now, as a father, I'm an instant feminist now. I have two daughters, and I'm married. So I'm, you know, it's it's one of those things where I had to grow into it. And I don't know that my way is perfect, but the way that I think that has worked for me 
and 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 becoming more of well, if you want to call it that, a feminist, is kind of like shutting up and listening. And in this case, I'm gonna I'm I'm really even now hearing you guys talk that there's so many facets to it that I hadn't even really considered. So that's a big deal. I think a lot of times is, you know, you got to stop. If you want to, and I'm not talking to women, you guys are, 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 are active and you're out there. You know, I look at Black Free Thinkers blog. I've looked at, I only found out about Vita's stuff just like about two days ago. And I pay attention to all of those things, you know, feminist apostasy. I just started listening. And even now I'm learning. And um, I think for men and only us, stop puffing out your chest and shut up. Just listen, you know, because you'll learn a lot. And, and and once you've heard what you guys have to say, you're going to want to start putting your hat in the ring to support. Me, I don't want to take the lead in this. I definitely want to support. Just like, hey, man, you tell me what to do and I'll do it from here. I'll, I'll do it, do as you say. Because, well, we certainly uh, appreciate your support, sir. <laughs> we certainly Whoa. appreciate it. But I just want to put it out there, though. I'm, I'm just Carl, man. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Ebert um, my dad is terrible. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, but um, I do want to also make sure that we are, you know, aware that, you know, not being a woman doesn't just make you an instant, an instant feminist. Um, there's no. <laughs> a lot of women who actually perpetrate, uh, you know, patriarchal norms more so than men. So, in fact, exactly. women in, in many ways are actually more effective at, <laughs> at getting people to um, get in line with that nonsense. Exactly. More so yeah. than men. And, so. Oh, and you know, I see that even in the free thought community. I've seen that, and Deborah, your 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 mic is live as well. I've seen that in the atheist community as well. Whereas, you know, I've seen women in our community that you know convey and continue to perp- uh, perpetuate that patriarchal mindset, and and ironically, a couple of them call themselves feminists. And mm-hmm. Sometimes I just sit there totally perplexed, and I'm like, you say you're a feminist, but you're also saying X, Y, Z. So that's why I think it's important that we start educating one another. And, again, the number is 310-982-4273, 310-982-4273. Press 1. We lost Tierra. Tierra, if you're out there, press 1 so I know that you're back. But, again, you know, you know, intersectionality is important. You know, again, someone spoke about the video games, and, you know, I believe Raina's going to do a show in the future regarding that, you know, uh, about um, intersectionality. I think, actually, I think William and, and, and Marcus were thinking about doing that. But, um, but I mean, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really thought about it too hard yet. I'll think. I, I, we'll see. I, I, it's in the air. And, you know, but... <laughs> I just wanted to say as well, you know, we're we're talking about um, a lot of things that that kind of perpetuate, and not just in the free. I know we're talking about the free thought community and in the atheist community, and but there's a lot of stuff that still kind of perpetuates this. And you know, you touched on video games and things like that. There is an actual market, you know, that perpetuates what we what what people are the the misguided things people think about women. I mean, you go to your average movie theater, heck, if you ever sat down and watched a Michael Bay movie, you can tell mm-hmm. that most most of what our culture is going to, somebody's sitting in a marketing meeting, and basically it's geared towards the section of this population that knows the absolute least 
about women, and I'm talking about yeah. adolescent and pre-adolescent male, males between the ages of 13 and, you know, 13 ages, males ages 13 to about 18. If you watch even any anything that you put out there, you know, it's already bad enough that most people aren't, we're like in this Peter Pan society where people aren't allowed to grow up. Like there's nothing marketed to adults much anymore. So it's everything's youth-oriented. Um, and then what's being what's being presented to the youth is, you know, driven towards males and, you know, every girl. And, you know, because once you get it, for me, I don't know about most, I can't speak for all men, but I know once I got past the age of, I guess, 15, uh, yeah, I, would, I stopped seeing every woman in the thong, you know, like, hey, this girl might actually think about things. And wow. so, you know, she might she might have an opinion or have feelings of her own, but that's not what, I mean, so it's it's like it was stated before, we, we can do easily, we can easily say what we want about religion, and it's an acceptable target, and a lot of it is well-deserved. But, again, we have, we're in a culture where, you know, slap, some, slap a bra, slap a bikini on it, and it's going to make millions. And that's very, mm-hmm. again, that's uh, one of the things that, as, as much as we have to, we have to work on that as much as we take on anything. Because a lot of the guys in our, a lot of the people that are men that may be part of the free thought community, yeah, sure, I don't believe in God. I don't have any. I'm not. I'm a non-believer. I'm a free thinker. But hey, man, uh, what T-shirt contest? And I'm gonna tune in if it's on the Spike Channel, you know. So that, yeah, I mean, that's something that we uh, again has to also be confronted. Wouldn't something um, one 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 way to co- combat that be to have something that got popular that didn't do that, and then other people would just automatically copy it because it was popular and it didn't have uh, scantily clad women. No, not really, because it's the it's the easiest, cheapest way to market something, and that's why they keep doing it. It doesn't and it require works. a whole lot of effort. Yeah, and it works. I mean, it doesn't, you know, it's, I mean, you, if you, you know, um, Anna Sarke- Anita Sarkeesian talks a lot about this in her, in her, um, in her series about tropes versus women, and, you know, she talks about how the video game gamers are, uh, in the first segment, I guess, the first couple of videos, she's talking about the damsel in distress, uh, distress trope, and, um, you know, it's, it, when you when you really think about the volume, you know what I mean, in terms of the games that use the same trope, it you it really just is a, a simple way to come up with a video game concept. They're not stretching mm-hmm. themselves. They're not thinking outside of the box. They're not presenting you with anything new. It's just you know blue superhero. Red superhero, <laughs> superhero exactly. in trench coats. You know what I mean? Yes. Super, save you know, the girl. You know, um, yeah, save the girl. You know, it's it's really that simple. You know. But Raina, don't they market to women the same way with the same? Um, they, 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 they market and, to women. Yeah, uncover yeah, like a cosmopolitan really, magazine. Starts, yeah, and it starts really early. I mean, um, actually, there was a really. Um, there was a really uh, good article that came out about um, one of the, the Disney super, uh, princesses. So, you know, mm-hmm. everybody knows the Disney, Disney princesses for the most part, um, even when they're feisty, they still for the most part conform to 
the stereotype, you know, the, you know, oh, I need a man to save me and, oh, yeah. you know, I need a man to make yeah. my life complete and all that type of stuff. Um, there yeah. is one with, one with one very important exception, and that exception is um, Brave, that movie Brave with the um, the young girl with the red hair. And she does, like, you know, she shoots arrows and everything. She's the one exception in the um, princess universe. Now, of course, there are some, some minor exceptions in some of the other stars. Like, I guess people could bring up, you know, the princess and the frog. But that's a, but still, at the end, she ends up with the guy. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's right. the point. But, and then um, it's a prince in particular. It's a prince, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's a prince. Yeah, he's, he's an Good actual enough. prince. From right. the Middle East, but, <laughs> you know. What I mean? but he's a swarthy-looking fellow. He's swarthy. He yeah, doesn't have a race. He's yeah, just, he's just dark yeah. and swarthy. <laughs> right. He couldn't be a black. So, he couldn't possibly be a black man. But in any case, right. um, brave. <laughs> but in any case, but um, brave was brave was an exception. But what they have in the um, you know, in the Disney, you know, um, sort of merchandising, you know, uh, family is this series where there are, like, these ultra-feminine or ultra-feminized sort of versions of these characters. And so this this brave character that was very strong and, you know, kind of, you know, um, you know, you know, her own sort of individual self is now changed into this sort of Cinderella-looking type thing. Right. For the purposes of this. This well, line of product. A warrior, you just have to be a pretty one. That's all. I don't yeah, understand the problem. You have to be a pretty one, and you have to know your role when men come around. Put away your bow. Right. You know what I mean. Let let the knights handle because, it. Because women, we can be warriors. We can be strong up to a point. At the end of the day, we got to yeah. get home. We got to be pretty. We have to cook. We have yeah. to clean. So I mean, raise the babies. The empowerment. Yeah. The empowerment has a limitation to it. That's really yeah. what it is. Exactly. But that just look at the grossing conversation regarding power relations, you know, um, in, in these particular situations, you know. So the question is, who's narrating, who created, and for what purpose? And, well, you know, yeah, and, uh, Oh, sorry, Ken. Yeah. So, oh, okay. And so, you know, it's, it's important that we understand the power relations and then the relationship between, the, again, the narrator, the creator, um, and the audience. And, you know, yeah. how all of this, again, is subjective. And then also, you know, it kind of goes into a collective identity. So it's important that we recognize that, not just in video games, but across the board when we're talking about um, subjects like this. And we have someone from 954 on the line. May we ask who's calling? Hello? 954, hi. Hello. Hi, Kim. This is, um, how are you? Hey, Emmeline, good. How are you? Good, good, good. It's um, I've been listening to the discussion for a while, and it's it's very, very, very interesting. Um, the reason I called um, was um, something that someone said about ten or fifteen minutes back concerning the television show Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Did someone mm-hmm. bring up Doctor Who, and they said, that you know, was me. The 50- that was Carl. Yay! Okay. Someone brought up the fact that um, Carl, you brought up the fact that um, you know, he can come back in any form in any fashion, but in all that time, he keeps coming as a white man. I also want to bring up the fact that he's always a tall white man, and people don't think that that matters, but it actually does. And um, the show the show really forces you 
as good of a person, as kind of a person as Doctor Who is, the show really forces you to um, take a look at um, at long implemented and um, reinforced social hierarchies. Um, oh, oh, you know, people talk about white privilege all the time and try to dismiss it like it's not a real thing, but we all know it's very real. There's male right. privilege as well. Um, and, you know, um, when I was a psychology student, and that was my first major back in college, um, there is such a thing as height privilege, and a lot of people aren't aware of that. And if you look at video and games beauty and privilege books, too, mm-hmm. yeah, and all all the all the male superheroes are tall people, and it's actually been been um, tested in in various social environments that a tall person, especially a tall man, can automatically get a level of respect from his peers that a shorter person who might be more competent and more intelligent has to work incredibly hard to get. Um, just a, just his presence, a tall man is, is more apt to get promoted than his shorter, perhaps more Absolutely. competent counterpart who's even more qualified just because he's tall. So you have to understand Short that. people I mean, think got about it. Think about no it too. reason. Think of, Short uh, people got no reason to live. Short people got <laughs> No reason. What I'm trying to make is that, you know, when you're well, doing something like what he's doing or just trying to live your life in general and you can actually choose the circumstances under which you have to live and you're already doing something that's incredibly difficult, it might make sense to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to make things as easy for myself as I can. And what's easier than being a tall white guy? Yeah. Nothing well, is easier than being is, a tall white guy. Nothing is easier than being a, a tall, tall white rich guy. white guy. Yeah. But, um, no, no, because no, no. a tall, a tall, poor white guy can get a rich a white woman, and and they'll be happy, and nobody will know he ever was a poor white guy. Yeah, well, I mean, if you if you come to South Florida, all the all the poor um, um, white guys work out, they get really really buff, and they find a rich sugar mama. It's not that hard. <laughs> well, um, I mean, to, yeah, it, it in, also is in regards to. And, and you know, it I was gonna, I was to, gonna, I was gonna bring sorry. up one point. Sorry, Carl. Um, I was just gonna say you can Go even ahead. look at the cartoons. It starts really early with the cartoons. Like, um, it, the easiest way to convey to somebody that somebody is incompetent or you know less than the protagonist, just make them short exactly. and sad. Yeah. And you know, when a hero comes into the room, not only is he incredibly tall, and they kind of play that dramatic theme music where he enters and he kind of dominates the room, but he leaves this this enormous shadow on everything, even when it's nighttime. He comes in and literally casts a shadow on everyone in the room. It's it's actually called the hero shot. That's what they call it. When you enter a room and... It's called the hero shot. Um, and to to go back to the initial point of the the uh, of of, women, of talking about women and how they're portrayed by our society, um, you know, we made references about if a person is short, if a person is you know overweight or something like that. Um, it, it, very in the workplace, they've even done studies on this where, uh, uh, and and I'm talking as a guy who's, you know, a tad overweight. I'm actually working on that as best as I can right now. And I'm talking that for some reason, if someone sees you, they think because of your weight, you are also stupid. And it happens. And I'm saying if it's it's happening to me, I I have the benefit of being tall, but I'm actually also kind of pudgy. uh, You know what? You're uh, really true. It's really, it's really true. 
I'm I'm like it's over like, 40, 50 pounds overweight. I'm six foot six, comedian, and I'm less funny when I'm fat. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, um, I just, actually it, it, I remember Chris Farley mentioning this some time before his death, where he was saying, "What else could I be but a comedian when you look like this?" Um, you know, people think you're stupid, so I have to make my living. Oh. Um, you trying to get, um, you know, amusing them, providing chuckles no, for their amusement. And exactly. there's one of the things and that was he was very depressed about that eventually led mm-hmm. to suicide. Yeah, and it's 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 weird. It's it's sad because if that's happening to me, and I'm a man, and, and even though I'm a black man, there are benefits in this culture for being a man. If that's happening to me as a man. You know what's what are they doing to a woman? You know? Well, I mean they're already they're already they've already made assumptions about a woman's intelligence. I mean, look at I mean you can um, particularly if a woman is is beautiful in in many mm-hmm. contexts. Um, you know they think that she is somehow stupid. You know I mean they yeah. talk they they deal with this they deal with this particular stereotype on Mad Men all the time. You know. Yeah. That you know these 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 women that are in this office are really beautiful, but they're doing things behind the scenes. But all of the men that are around, they don't see what they're doing. You know yeah. what I mean? They don't see what they're doing as being particularly intelligent or particularly useful in any real way. You know, and they take the, the credit at the end of the day. And you know, as far as possible, except for Donald Draper, he's an idiot. Yeah, which, talking, yeah. You were talking earlier about how you know it's, it's implied that the person who is less power is the shorter person, and I've noticed that especially growing up. Um, I've always been really tall. I'm five ten, and I've been that height since I was fifteen. And you know, when I was in school, even the tallest guys who were like well over six feet already would um, actively pursue shorter women um, mm-hmm. because you know yeah. they're cute and they're tiny, and that's that's like uh, that's adorable. Um, and they they aren't intimidating. Exactly, they're not intimidating at all. Um, and you know, I'm very very skinny, but heaven forbid that you were tall and very very strong as well. You're never gonna get a date in high school, period. And even now, there are many men with that mentality. They have this idea. They they have the the dimensions and the height of the perfect woman down. Even men who it, they clearly aren't taking care of their bodies. You know, they've kind of got like um. George Costanza complex, I like to call it. Everyone knows George Costanza from Seinfeld. He was a yes, right. pudgy guy, but he had these incredibly high standards of being with women that looked like supermodels, even though he was perfectly content with how he looked, didn't want to do a thing to change it, and thought that even though right. he looked less than average, he deserved well, that's someone the, who looked like the, a runway model. That's that's the type of entitlement that patriarchy generates, and that's the type of exactly. entitlement that gets that gets, you know, perpetuated in, in the culture through through our media. Like look at look at any movie. You know what I mean? These these goofy these goofy men or um you know, who aren't particularly attractive, they end up with these supermodels. You know what I mean? And um and it kind of reminds me of something that got posted on Kim's wall not that long ago, um, about it was that that silly documentary and I say documentary loosely, um, called Blame It on Rio. Uh, where they have these black men who've gone to South America and, you know, Rio de Janeiro and all of the other places in South America to, um, you know, to find, they they say to find love, but I think it's to find something else because not a single man in this documentary mentions a wife or long-term girlfriend that they've met 
on these yeah. so-called yeah, excursions I, I think, to I think find love. Semantics. We all know what love was a euphemism for in that particular documentary. Yeah. Well, it's obvious. It's obvious. It's obvious to us. But the men in this documentary really seem to be trying to sell the point that it's it's not about that. It's just about I just want to be with a woman who's going to love me for me. And you know, it's like. You want a woman who's going to love you, love you for you, who looks who who looks like uh, Charlize Theron when you look like George Costanza. You know what I think it is? You know what I mean? In a culture, and by we, I mean um, I mean people, anyone living in um, in the United States, we live in a culture where I think a lot of men still internalize a lot of the same patriarchal views, but they are um, they have they're slowly being shamed into not admitting that. So they use terms like love um, to try to make it make it seem less than what it is or seem better than what it is. Like this lofty yeah. aspiration when we all know it's not. We could probably right. say like, those same like, men who were raised in another culture, like maybe in an Islamic country, yeah. are like, yeah, I'm going there because she's beautiful and you know she doesn't. Right. My wife doesn't. Exactly. Do. <laughs> exactly. Western men. Western men have to pretend like they're Don Quixote fighting for Dulcinea. You know what I mean? <laughs> when that's not even the case. Yeah, you know, and you know, you I, know what I mean? respect it more. Nice man of Lamanche you're going there like for, it. because I'm not going to shame anyone for wanting. Um, you know, sex. Um, so if you, I would just respect it more if they just said, we're going here for yeah. fill in the blank. Don't, like, try to I would, I would, Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Don't try to make it seem like it's something, like you can't find love in America because right. that's not what you're looking for. I, I you're, looking for you're looking for an attractive bed warmer. Exactly. You know, I, I that's what you're looking for. That, I'd say outright that if you say that you're going to Rio de Janeiro to find love, you're lying, and I'm just going to tell you that to your face. You're a liar, Kai. You're going there for – no, nobody goes – listen, they invented the Brazilian wax. No one goes to Brazil for love. They go for the other thing, and I'm and okay I, with that. I've seen those Brazil button-lift infomercials. And I, exactly. I, Brazil, really, I, and look, I look, look, look. And if you want to go to Brazil for that, if you want to go to Brazil for that, no one's saying you can't go to Brazil for that. There, there are beautiful women and men in Brazil. You, you know what I mean? You like, just say that. Yeah. Yeah. Like just go and say that. You don't have to. You don't have to pull this con game. I think it's another huge issue too, where um, there are some people that are just so, um, so like socially, um, been shamed so much socially for their particular sexual proclivities or desires or fantasies right. that they want to they want to dress it up in this package of something that it's not. I really think we need to live in a culture where people can be honest about the things that they want in a relationship and the things that they want sexually, and everyone just lives with it. Yeah. Exactly. Because, again, it's your life. If, you know, if, if that's your, again, you know, your your preference, then so be it. And, the, again, it's that person's life. It's not up to us to dictate how that person lives, what they like, what they should or should not have, that that is not up to us. That's up to that individual person. You know, and again, mm-hmm. you know, when we talk about some of these things, you know, it is individual choices. Other things, we look at it in a more collective sense, but it's, you know, the conversation at hand that you're talking about, you know, I work high-level IT. And one of the issues that I've run into is, you know, we'll have a meeting of some sort, and I have to give my professional analysis of whatever the situation may happen to be. And I'll say it, and then, you know, we'll have a discussion around it, and, you know, you would have one or two men acting as though they didn't quite understand what I said. 
So the gentleman sitting next to me will say the exact same thing that I said, and they would understand him. And this is why. It's yes. like, it's like you know, I can't hear you over your boobs. That's what they're saying. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they want to listen to you, you in the first down. place. Yeah. You bring up a really interesting point, like Kim, because all my life, every time I've spoken to someone on the phone, someone who'd never met me before, they would always be surprised that I was black. Um, they would say, you sound white on the phone. So I, it was an issue where I could I could get away from um, someone playing those games based on race because of the way that I sounded. Um, on paper and on the phone, I sound like a European, a white European woman. But then they see me and they see a black woman. You know, I never had the issue of, so, of someone staring at my chest or anything like that. But I have seen in the past, like race-based, where a black person will say something with a heavy southern dialect or something like that, and a white person will say it, and, you know, just by the, the bass and the tone in their voice, it's clear that this person is probably black and all of a sudden no one's paying attention. But when the white person starts to speak, everyone is at attention. You know, it's, it's, well, it's, it's, um, it's something funny. You know, I'm, I'm always in awe of my wife. You know, I've been married now going on a decade, and I've known my wife for about 20 years, and I've seen her struggle, you know, to for accomplishment. I've seen her... Um, go from high school all the way to her master's degree. We've been together that on, and nothing makes me more upset than um, when she talks. People tend to tune her out just by virtue of her uh, virtue of her race, her gender, and then her and name. Right. You know, her name. My wife's name is Shaniqua, and. Um, Unfortunately, for all her accomplishments, you know, she's had to adjust her name. You know, sometimes she's got to call herself Sean or Shawnee or something like that. Where because you know, uh, uh, because of that name and because of her gender, and then ultimately because of her racial background, people just act like you know. Or I've actually seen it because we work in the same company where she'll be standing next to me and she's way more accomplished than I am. You know, I got there through technical school, and people will talk to me because I have an uh-huh. Anglo-sounding name. Like, I'm some authority on the subject, and I'm more than happy to refer them to her, you know. <laughs> you know, right, like, right. Yes, no, 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 she's the, well, I, I, I got the GED. It she might not be a matter of your name. I know, I, I, a lot I, of people I, are comfortable talking to the husband. No matter how smart the wife is, they want to talk to the husband because that's who they see as the authority of the household. Right. You know, um, I, 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 I was gonna. Can I jump in? It's okay. Yeah, go <laughs> <Yeah>. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna jump in. It's like a game of double dutch over here. Um, I was gonna say I, this, I have so many experiences having worked in a lot of the underground hip hop here in LA, and different experiences that I've had dealing with being a female in a very. Even if there are a lot of uh, other. Um, women who are involved, a lot of them are artists or some of them in, you know, some other areas. But a lot of us still get disrespected. Even if we are the majority in the room, we still we would still get the disrespect. I, I even remember one time I was working, there was a guy who had a rap group, and he knew some of the work that I was doing. I was working with this DJ out here, and we were putting together different events. And um, this, he, this guy, he had a rap group. He was really busy. He asked me if I could help him manage the group. I said, sure, I'll work it out. But I hadn't met everybody because a couple of the members 
um, were locked up, <laughs> and they were coming out. And so that's I, when they came out, I had the opportunity to meet them. And before even I was sharing them all the ideas, things that I had been um, uh, had connected them with, and I was looking forward to working with them. This guy, I kid you not, his question was, "So when are you going to come over?" What? Right. Like, wow. right. Yeah. yeah. Right. He was like, so "Well, I mean, okay." So, so that all. So, what you and what Carl were talking about brings us, you know, brings us way back to actual to talking about intersectionality because we've been talking about some sort of different sort of isolated things, but not necessarily talking about those things how and how they intersect. You know, um, in 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 this instance, you're talking about you're a woman and and you're a black woman. So when you're a black woman, that kind of says something different than just being a, a woman in stereo in the universal woman. In, in most contexts, is a white woman. So um, when you're talking about black women, we generally are perceived as being more sexually available than other women, because um, we're because because of the black the black thing being that we're you know we're more immoral or more you know natural you know more lascivious or whatever, intersecting with being uh, female. I do and, argue and that in most contexts. But um, in the context mm-hmm. that Tierra pointed out, and I think Tierra, I think you've you've you've, you've witnessed this as well. Um, if there's a white woman that's around a large group of black people, especially black men, in a hip hop type urban setting, she's a lot of times she's actually um, considered less than the average black woman. Like she's debasing herself by being around that many black people, especially black men. I think that I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I think that really, for the most part, she's perceived as a prize, generally speaking, because of the the hierarchy is, that is circle, set up. That it would depend on how tall she is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But generally speaking, but generally speaking, black women are seen as being more sexually open and or more available, which is why, particularly in hip hop, we're disparaged as bitches and hoes in that way. And they they represent us that way because that's how we're seen. But wouldn't it be because, um, here, I'll tell you, one of the new new bitches I've been working on, uh, I was at the house and there was a comedian, white comedian on TV, uh, uh, and she had a joke and I was like halfway paying attention and all I heard was blah, 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 a black guy. And the audience fell out laughing and I'm thinking to myself, they have to have in their head to laugh at that that hard what a generic black guy is, okay? Yeah. And so did the comedian. And I don't know any generic black guys. Just like maybe that uh, rapper feller had, you're a generic woman. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's when, just like uh, there was a guy the other day, he was saying, well, I saw an atheist video, so I know about y'all. Well, there is no generic atheist, like what we were saying. Some atheists are um, conservatives. Some atheists are liberals. Some atheists, you know, um, despise women. Some atheist males are also feminists. I mean, it's so there, there's no generic, right? And so I was trying to explain that there's no generic to people. Like, there's no generic white person. Um, I know a bunch of white people who don't like mayonnaise, okay? I, and I told them, I said, I, I know some black people. Is that a stereotype people. about white people? I, I didn't know that. that. The next line is, I know some black people, even black people, know that they can't say in around. 
But they would assume that that's okay around all black people. But that's not true. Just like the reason why you have to be right. black free thinkers or black atheists is that people in America assume that everybody black is 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 uh, religious. Religious. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. That's true. You know, that's the question. And what have they been trying to perpetrate to say that all black people are anti gay? They, they force yeah. that on. They do that a lot. They do that a well, lot. A I think, honestly, I think that's a scapegoating tactic to blame us for it is. homophobia or the lack of gay marriage being legal. I mean, that's just a scapegoat tactic, in my opinion. Especially in California, years from now, when gay marriage is legal in the entire nation, they're going to show pictures of all those black churches that came as a congregation to Chick-fil-A to protest it and be like, hey, those people that didn't want you to have your rights, look at look at these black church members who went to get hypertension for the cause. They didn't want to be <laughs> right. 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 With, 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 with California, with Proposition 8, what happened in California with Proposition 8 is they started to scapegoat the blacks in California. And if you go and you look at the numbers, the um, black population in California, there weren't enough numbers in voters in order right. to, uh, to to make – uh, Proposition 8 coming to effect. They didn't have enough votes, but yet they scapegoated the black people. And I had that debate on my wall that, with someone. And I mean, it's not a. But that meanwhile, goes divide, it, yeah. that goes to the divide very, here in in California. There's a huge, there is a divide between the people of color, LGBTQ community, people of color, and the white LGBTQ. And and many of these groups have a lot of, uh, which is the same in, in feminist circles in LA. I know for sure in LA, whether it's a feminist women of color groups versus a lot of these uh, from the groups that are majority white. And it's just the idea that um, that's still white superiority complex still exists even in our so-called progressive circles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, the Proposition 8 thing, one way to really explain that simply is that the Mormons-funded um, Proposition 8, there's, a, um, there's actually a documentary called The Mormon Proposition, and um, mm-hmm. the Catholics supported it. The Mormons were the, 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 the footwork on the ground. When it came down to it, people said that the reason why it didn't pass was because black people didn't vote for it. They said, well, if, if the black people would have just all voted for it, it would have passed. Meanwhile, if 5% of the white people more would have voted for it, it would have passed. So well, you're trying to blame problem. all the black people when 5% of the white people could have fixed it. That's the um, point that you're bringing I, up about the Catholics and the Mormons. It's it's the truth. They were the they were the ones funneling millions, and I mean millions, into um, exactly. you know into, into squashing this. And the fact of the matter is, um, I mean, I'm Haitian, and most Haitians are Catholic, but the majority of Black people worldwide, or even in this country, that are Christian, are not Catholic. And right. the exactly. Mormons have such a such a pitiful Black um, um, population of Black Mormons. It's it's almost non-existent. Yeah. Like a black Mormon is still a running joke now. It's like saying exactly. you're a gay Christian. What? Like would they they still do that? You know? It's yeah, <laughs> I have a joke like that. It's uh, the joke is what's worse, a black Mormon or a gay Republican? Black yeah. Mormon, right? Because Isn't he's probably Republican, Republican like, too. A contradictory terms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You exactly. know what? If and, I could... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't want to come in. Um, no, go you ahead. Know, we're talking we're talking about um intersectionality um and uh and and and, and how it regards to uh, feminism and, and in regards to just human rights issues. 
um, just what came up just a couple of days ago. Um, you know, we all I'm sure we all heard about with uh Michelle Obama when she was speaking at the podium and she was cut off by the L G um B T uh representative, the young lady was cutting her off right. and she said, Hey, you know, I'm not gonna do this with you, I'm not gonna do this back and forth with you. If you want the mic, come take the mic in. You give the message, I'm gonna take my ball and go home. And then exactly. you know, then code pink. Yeah, and, and then everybody was the, right, everyone was trying to tell her how say how she should have reacted. Yeah. I'm pretty certain that although I'm uh, although I can't say for sure that person was an atheist or 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 anything I'm all I'm pretty certain they would look at themselves as free thinkers and progressives right. but when mm-hmm. a woman of color and we're talking about you know this misogyny in in and this sexism in the free thinker progressive atheist community when they saw a black woman expressing herself the most free kind of thinking there can be, they they scolded her for it. These free mm-hmm. these so called free thinkers, these so called progressives, these so called people who want some kind of change in, in, in our culture turned around and adapted the mentality of the <laughs> mentality of those folks that would keep us down based on race based on sex, based on religion. And it leads into this idea that there's even there's two different kinds of feminism. Like, yeah, it works for white women, but black women, not so much. You know, this is the most powerful woman in the country. Let's bring it back to center because you're correct. Because, I mean, there's only one. Feminism is feminism. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. you know, there have been some lines drawn. And black women have been part of feminism from the very beginning, from the absolute very beginning. You go back and you look at the history, look up Florence um, Kennedy and, you know, a variety of different people. But what happened was during the black power movement, when that started, a lot of black women had to make a choice between being a part of the feminist. Well, they didn't have to, but they decided to choose. Well, actually, it was before the black power movement, but, yeah, that was that was a sort of a, a major a sort of moment. moment. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And they made the decision to choose between the two. And, you know, again, you know, bringing it back to center intersectionality and the free thought, atheist, non-believing, humanist, et cetera, you know, community – we're starting to see this because you have more women, more people of color starting to, you know, demand, if you will, that, you know, there's representation there, you know, because, again, our community is growing. There are more people of color um, starting to find the courage, if you will, to admit that they're a non-believer, they're a free thinker, or what have you, as well as well as women, and we are underrepresented in this community. But in addition to that, again, when I say people bring that religiosity mindset over to this community, you know, I've run into um, black atheist homophobes, I've run into black atheist misogynists, and you know, where is that coming from? And it needs to be addressed. It needs to be addressed on both sides. You know, the misogyny and homophobia in the black atheist community, but also the racism and the sexism and the ableism and the transphobia and the phobia and all of these obias and isms in the atheist <laughs> community at large because, you know, you find that on both sides, you know, the minorities as well as the non-minorities, and it has to be addressed. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to make move forward. But in addition to that, the divides that we're seeing, the conflicts and the arguments, 
you know, um, regarding, you know, a couple of letters, open letters. You know, everybody's writing a damn open letter nowadays. But, you know, the open letters that they're putting out here saying that, you know, uh, <laughs> what we believe in, but we don't believe in that. And then you have another group saying, well, I believe in that, but I don't believe in this. And there's a lot of conflict, a lot of drama. And, you know, I see people being nasty with one another, but where is the civil conversation? And there are some things that need to be addressed, and there are some people that do not want to give up their privilege. There are some people that want to hold on to their entitlement. And then you also have another aspect of it, too. You may have one or two people who are in cherry positions, or so they think, you know, because really they're being used, but then, you know, they themselves are perpetuating some of these isms and obvious. So how do right. we address that? Yeah. Where do we go? You know, well, um, I when you bring up the Michelle Obama situation, you know, it brings to mind um, a lot of um, of of situations with you know black feminists versus white feminists and all that kind of thing. And I think it's very important that people understand that just because um, someone is a woman, a feminist, or even um, bisexual or lesbian, doesn't mean that they can't be racist. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and close-minded in terms of some things. I've seen a lot of things, a lot of double standards within the feminist community that things that um, get a pass if a, a, a white female does them, that when a woman of color should try it, um, all of a sudden it's a huge issue. It's own your sexuality oh, to the white woman, and it's, oh, she's being slutty to the black woman. So, you know, um, we need to keep in mind too, um, especially with the Michelle Obama situation. She was there at a at a lesbian fundraiser, um, and it's sort of that heckler was kind of like doing the quintessential um, biting the hand that feeds you. This is someone in a position of power that's on your side, and you feel the need to be, excuse my language, an asshole um, to yeah. try to get some shine for yourself or make that person look bad. Not only was it completely unnecessary, but then to go around and tell her how she should have handled it is the complete antithesis of feminism, to tell a grown woman that's how she should have handled being um, pretty much attacked. Um, yeah. You know, trying to she, can, someone else. she can respond to the but attack again, I wanna, any way I she wants, but... I want to get the on track. I need to get this back on track. And... You know, and what happened with Michelle Obama was extremely important, and I'm glad you see a lot of feminist bloggers talking about that particular issue. And, yeah, again, you know, they're trying to give her the title of angry black woman, and, again, that's the control mechanism is to shut her up, to back her up, and to put her under control and tell her her place because, you know, that designation by itself, you know, black women have been, you know, um, portrayed as being angry. And, again, um, you know, again, that's been happening, and it's, it's a stereotype, it's a myth. But, again, coming back to intersectionality in the atheist community, you know, I want to definitely address that. Um, you know, we need to address these particular issues. Again, um, where do we go? You know, where does social justice play? You know, so I'm trying to get the conversation back on center but um yeah where do you know what role does social justice play in this community? Are minorities underrepresented in this community? How do we move forward? But in addition to that, how do we address the same issues happening within the black atheist community again with the homophobia and the misogyny? You know these are issues that need to be addressed before thing. we can move forward I just want to say one thing. I am an angry black woman. 
I'm gonna tell you straight up. I'm tired of this foolish, crazy. Uh, 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 it's like little kids. Whatever they think about, they just go and do it. You know what I'm saying? And I mean to think that. I wish a man would come up in my face. I'd knock the shit out of him. You know. I mean, you know, it's just crazy. I mean, it, it's it's, and I'm angry about it. I'm sorry. I call me an angry black woman because I is. Well, not only that, anger is what's wrong with being angry? Uh, I mean, if it was angry, I mean, it's, it's angry crazy what, what comes out of that mouth. No, I mean, how, doesn't you know, it really is black crazy. Woman is a hood rat. The angry black woman is a hood rat. The angry black man is a criminal. The angry black woman is the angry white woman is a victim, and the angry white man he's a leader. You have to understand how mm-hmm. they vary. I don't care what they they think it is. I'm gonna tell them what it really is. You, they is sick, and I'm I don't, okay, I'm not so a guess, rat. I don't care what I don't, I'm. I'm just angry. <laughs> so I guess my question is: Is that same stereotype perpetuated in the free thought atheist community? To an extent, but sure. We, we can't decide. Sure. That's another way of defining us, though. You know, the point why are you so sign. angry? Huh? Why do no, they always go? Why are you so angry? They always do that. Yeah, well, they are. Oh, well, yeah, you get that from white people and you get it that's from black. Why. You know, I've had that from black men. I've had black men ask me, why am I so angry? And I say, well, there's a difference between anger and passion. But, yeah. you know, there are a lot of issues happening in this community. And this is why I keep bringing it back to center because. You know, I would be remiss if do not hit on this topic because, again, that's the premise of this particular show. You know, we need to deal with those particular issues, and I guess we're going to have to do a part two of this a little bit later on down the line. But, <laughs> you know, again, you know, um, being able to use certain buzzwords, certain phrases to, you know, basically know. stop us or to try to back us up or to – for them to be able to take control of the conversation or the situation or to make us feel in some way inferior. But I'm seeing that in this community, not only from whites, but I'm seeing it from people of color as well, which is why I keep Mm -hmm. harping on the misogyny, harping on the fat phobia, I'm harping on the homophobia, all of the different phobias, and I'm seeing it here. And then before we can really move forward, we need to address those issues within, just like we always point at the religion people and right. tell them to address their issues before they come to us, why are we apply, applying these same principles to the other side of the equation? I've had people tell me that I'm too hard on the atheist community. I have not even touched the surface because I'm going to have a bunch of you mad as hell by the end of the year. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, you know what I've seen, what I've personally seen in the um, atheist community is um, um I, I have seen that to a degree, those same stereotypes being reinforced where if uh, atheists, especially online where people are a little bit more loose with their words, um, when you see a man who is kind of like shouting and very angry, seems to, um, you know, kind of be wrapped up in himself, um, it, there, there are jokes and teasing about him not being intelligent. Um, apparently um, anger in a man, even if it is justified, um, is seen as a a sign that he is um, lacking in education, lacking some sort of intelligence. And then when a woman does it, especially a black woman, um, uh-huh. You know, it's kind of like she's. It, 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 I, it's always the same. You're you're too emotionally involved. 
kind of like, you know, that poor woman, she right. can't help but be emotionally touched by everything. She's so fragile. Everything like we're not supposed her. to think. Like we're not supposed <laughs> to even think, you know. That makes me sad. Right. Um, um, I just wanted to, yeah. Um, I just wanted to uh, go back to what Kim was talking about um, with the these um, <laughs> these petitions that are going around, um, and and say that from what I've noticed, and this is just me here. Um, there's a there's a lot of language that seems very interesting to me when they try to say things like we should look at this from an objective point of view, free from ideologies, and um, and some other things. And and it seems to me that there is a misunderstanding of what constitutes an ideology versus what constitutes one uh, looking out for one's own interests and one's, you know, um, one's self-preservation. Um, and and there's this, and it seems like there's this underlying idea of a universal atheist or universal freethinker. And it seems like, for the most part, that looks like a white man. And, you know, I think those of us who are angry are angry, um, are, 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 are rebelling against that because we want, ourselves to be recognized too and seen as valuable and not um, told that we need to, um, you know, tighten up or, or, or be quiet, you know, for the good of the movement. You know, some of us are tired of that. Um, we want real change. We want real diversity. We don't want, you know, lip service, you know. We want change. So that's just my two cents on that. Um, I don't want to sound too corny. I'm sorry, please. Uh, I don't want to sound too corny, but um, uh, I, I would say uh, keep doing what you're doing. Um, that's the best way to 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 um, to exactly. I guess get get see the change that you want. Uh, see the change that that I guess we all want. Because I know that when I finally, you know, I I can't say that in a cultural or political sense I was a atheist or if you think I just stopped doing I just stopped doing the religious thing and yeah. I let it go at that. But there was no way of me know I did not know honestly that you guys were out there. It was just yeah. me by myself and I did not know that you guys were out there until I think it was I saw so I, somebody showed up in my friend's page. I think it was Mandisa um Thomas, I think her name. And um and then I saw black free thinkers and I was like, Oh, well you guys are out there. I didn't know. Right. I honestly just did not know, and mm-hmm. I thought for a very long time I was by myself, and I and and I did for myself to say, well, who's out there to speak for me? You know, because yeah. when I when you get confronted with all those, when you get confronted, and you will be once you say, hey man, I'm non-believer, I'm non-religious, you'll get confronted. I didn't even have anybody to vent to because everybody else I knew was religious of some sort, so they couldn't understand. Yeah, that was my experience. I mean, I I Googled, I I think I put um, black black atheist in the Mm -hmm. Facebook search box out of sheer desperation, and then there was a group called Black Atheist, and at the time it had over 800 members, not that over 1,500 members. I was like, (gasps) like, I literally, like, I'm like, this is not (laughs) happening. This is the Twilight Zone. And honestly... Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And honestly, this is, I, I guess, it's it, it, it's cheesy. I don't know if it's the 100% best way for, the, for it to go, but just letting people know every day, every on via podcast. I, I read, 
when I see a black free thinkers thing, I, I always click on it. Whenever I don't care what the situation is, what the story is, I'm going to click on it because it's talking about something I feel I need to be aware of. Exactly. And it's not just something I need to be aware of as a non-believer or a free thinker. Or something that I may just need to be aware of on the world that I live on. You know, yeah, so exactly. same thing. More, hey. I have more black atheists on YouTube as well. I mean, I saw I saw yeah. a few great ones um, a couple years mm-hmm. ago, but um, um, two men, and they both stopped making videos. Um, and mm. the videos were amazing, honestly amazing stuff that some of the most more popular um, YouTubers, you know, 100, 200 videos deep still have not touched on. But they both stopped making videos, um, I think, because of the pressure that they were under societally and maybe from their families. Um, mm-hmm. Because they still respond to comments on their pages, but they stopped making right. videos a long time ago. I'm like, oh, I just need a black atheist, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, right, and, and see, and that's why I think it's important that we speak out. And what's no, that's okay, hon. Um, you know, it's important that we speak out, and that's why you know, not only just reaching out to society at large and letting people know that they're not alone because we're starting to find each other. And one of the issues in the atheist community that I've run into in the past, and I still get these inquiries, why do we have black in front of our name? And, you know, with Latino groups, why do they have that in Native Americans and all of them? It's important that we find each other. It's important mm-hmm. that we find each other, and especially yeah. with, you know, religion having such a stronghold in our communities, it's important that we find one another, but it's also important that we do not have to fight, have the infighting. Fighting the white atheists that are angry because we're self-identified is not that, you know, we're not a part of the community, but there are some things that we have gone through collectively as a race, if you will, that other people mm-hmm. just do not understand. And I'm not saying everybody well, not just that, but not just that. They also have to get together. over. I was going to say not just that, but they also have to get over this idea that seeing that something is not legitimate if they are not put front and center. Right. Exactly. They exactly. also have to. Yeah. They have to give up that privilege. I mean, the Native Americans in um, this country are exactly why um, that annotation is needed of black because. This is a culture that has been stamped out almost so completely that yeah. there are many people in this country who, you know, except people that live in maybe um, Bible Belt states where there are a denser Native populations that actually believe that there are no more Native Americans, that they are a relic of the past like dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, so that's why I need that. That's why I think it's important that we have the different shows because, you know, Travis has his show funny to the moon, you know, we have this show and there are more shows out there, you know, that are up and coming and being developed and what have you. And it's room out here for everybody to tell their story, if you will. But the thing is, it's important that we know that there are more of us out here, that the community is growing, and that we learn how to work within the community and with each other, not only the different groups, but as a whole. And this is one of the things that I find discouraging, which you know, kind of prompted me to have this show and some other shows, but as of late, especially, you know, the past several months or so, the, again, going back to Atheism Plus and some of the sub-movements within this bigger movement here, there are some people that have been trying to shut that down and work against it. Why? Mm-hmm. You know, you well, know, because, I mean, there, there's a niche for everybody. There's a niche, I mean, some of these sub-movements and sub-groups, if you will, are addressing situations and needs that the greater group has been ignoring and 
has no interest in addressing. So because, the group because of Kim, because Kim, those because those problems aren't legitimate to them. They don't see right. them as exactly. legitimate because they think if they can scream, we're all Africans that that somehow right. makes everything okay. And it doesn't because they don't want to deal with, you know, structural racism, structural sexism, structural inequality in, in a right. real way. And that's that's exactly. why they don't want to address it. And that's why they don't want us to do, address it because they know that eventually they might be called upon or, or be asked to take responsibility um, for doing their part. And they don't want any hand in it. That's why. Exactly. You know the, the thing about it. You know, we're, we're, go ahead, go ahead, Emma. Go ahead. Um, you have to consider it's not a simple matter of legitimacy. Um, um, you know, as someone who was not only a Catholic for a very long time, but actually worked in the church, um, you have to understand the power structure as well. The worst thing that ever happened to the Catholic Church was not, um, you know, um, wars with um, Muslims. Um, or, you know, infighting with Jews, it was the Protestant Reformation. You had you had people that still claimed to be Christian branching off and doing their own thing because the Catholic Church wasn't meeting their needs or wasn't addressing their particular interpretation right. of biblical beliefs. And and as powerful and as rich as the organization is today, you have to understand the the the, the intensity of that of, of how that power would be exponentially exacerbated if every Christian were still under the umbrella of Catholicism. Well, well I, I wasn't disputing. Off. I didn't dispute that it was about power. I'm saying that it is a question of legitimacy because if you determine what's legitimate, you hold the power. So if you say that this problem over here is not legitimate, you have and convince people of that, you retain power. So really it's, it's, it's right. hand in hand. Right, the status quo there. But, you know, just to take off on that, you know, and basically that is what's happening in not only the black church, but what's starting to happen in the atheist community, whereas the needs of the people that are within those particular, you know, groups there, the needs of the average person is not being met. And, Again, you know, this is how you build up the sub, you know, you build up these sub movements. Um, this is why a lot of people are leaving the church because the needs of the common person isn't being met. And what I'm starting to see in the atheist community is you're going to start seeing a lot of people breaking off, and that's mm-hmm. what's happening. And again, the quote unquote powers that be, they see it as well, and they're trying to control the situation. They're trying to maintain power by maintaining mm-hmm. the status quo. Mm-hmm. And you have people out here saying, no, we're not going to allow that to happen. But instead of fighting, they're just creating their own groups and their own, you know, subgroups, if you will. However, mm-hmm. you know, one of the changes that I've been seeing, and I've stated this on several different occasions, and my thought process is still the same, it has turned from, you know, in some cases, from, you know, being able to convey that you're a non-believer, you don't believe in God, and, you know, we should separate church and state, to basically the same sensationalism that I see on a religious side, whereas they're trying to sell a product, they're trying to get their numbers up, they're trying to get their membership numbers up, trying to get people to come to these conferences and conventions, while they're conveying the same message, the same regurgitated message over and over, and I'm not seeing any progress. And that is, to me, the problem, well, one of the problems at hand. 
I, if I yep. could, if I could just say, I, I would say this. Um, you know, I think the problem is, is, is with a lot of things, is that it's not my problem, and I think right. we have to. And, and people sometimes mm-hmm. fail to see the benefits. I'm a supporter of feminist causes was for the most obvious reasons. I have a wife and two daughters. If something good happens, you know, if something good happens for women, it happens for them. If if if, if some, you know, if your actions, if any of you women, your actions lead to a cultural shift that benefits how women are seen, portrayed, and treated in the culture, and it does a good thing for us. So of course I have to support that. Let's let's let's, let's get let's get down to I, the only solution I can see is that if we show this is how this benefits you. Somebody said that at the beginning of this call. This is how, you know, black a black free thinking woman. This is how her freedom affects you positively. You know, I, right. I I see a lot of the stuff of that against war. Like when you when you, in, in other circles, when people are talking about how women are treated in the Middle East, how women are treated in, in other parts of the world, whereas their second or even third class citizens are just flat out thought up as property, folks who argue for them and and that 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 support them and are trying to have activism work for them. They say, look, if an educate, if you educate this woman, here's what it does for your economy. If this lady gets a job, here's what it does for you economically. Here's what it does for you culturally. Here's what it does for you in these other ways. I think in this way, I'd like to believe that a lot of the folks in the free thinking community are already reasonably smart people. So I think if we show them here, I'm, I mean, I'm again, I'm benefiting from listening, just listening to you women speak. So if we start from here, this is how it benefits you. I'm sure that we can get people to start following your lead. Um, and, there's, and, and it's not going to be easy because, again, it's, we are, the biggest thing is, is people are, in, even in this community, are thinking, well, it's not really my problem. You know, I'm a man. Right. So what's, who cares? What's your, so we got to show you, this is how it could be your problem. This is how but, it could be your issue you know, if you don't take an active role in changing it. Um, that's the only way I see it will change. Too many, too many men fear that because they still want to be on top. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. the problem. They fear that all we want to be is equal. But no. they feel that if they give us just an inch, we would completely take over. You know, well, but and that is you're right. Not, and you, that is exactly the point. Is because they don't. Uh, for some people. The, this is the norm in their countries. The countries have violence. The countries are impoverished. The countries have low education. Um, but it doesn't matter because men are the first, um, the last, and only word on anything. And it's okay if my children aren't learning anything, if if where I live is dangerous and I'm probably poor because I have this measure of control over my wife and my family and any other woman by sheer virtue of being a man. I don't have to do anything. Exactly. I don't have to go out and earn anything. The fact that I am the owner of a penis gives me all the rights that I will ever need. Exactly. exactly. And, and you know, and again, you know, these are the things that definitely need to be addressed. And that's why it's good that we're bringing this out to the forefront, but that also kind of ties into something, you know, that we've been talking about. And basically that mindset that, 
because the quote-unquote man is in control, you know, a lot of that comes from a variety of different mindsets. But, you know, right now I'm going to talk about the religiosity mindset. And, yeah, you see some some atheists, and in particular I'm talking now about atheists of color, men of color, bringing that over into the free thought, the atheist community, and not mm-hmm. recognizing it, realizing that they're bringing, you know, uh, some of the traditions of Abrahamic religions over into the community. They don't recognize Mm -hmm. it. And there are Mm -hmm. some that just totally shut down any arguments regarding feminism or women being equal or, you know, Mm -hmm. women having their own identities. And in in some cases, I'm even talking about children. I've said that children need a movement because they're people too. They're little people, Mm -hmm. but they're people with feelings and emotions. And we need to start recognizing that and start celebrating instead of tolerating one another. They did that oh, in yeah, Europe, especially in areas Europe, where you have child brides. The children need a movement, in my opinion, first and foremost. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. If you're marrying that. off a child at 10 years old, they need some help. Like, there's they no other it. way around it. Mm-hmm. That's right. But they did that in Europe, too, in, in the, you know, in the religion, uh, the African spiritual. It used to be that women could be, um, oh, what's that word? Uh, I can't think of the name of that word that they call the head person. And they stopped the women from doing that. Um, I can't think of the the title. The chief? No, they, they, it's a long name. Um, I can't think of the title of the Yoruba. Oh, I can't think of it now. But they stopped them oh, from being, it, it's like preachers or, or uh, you know, but they call it, um, I can't think of it. And 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 they stopped the women from doing that. They couldn't yeah. be here. And but, that's you know, the spirituality. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have to be careful about some of these things because you know. Um, and I just say we need to be a little bit more vocal. We need to get active. We need to be a part of the community. We need to help define, you know, the community and what's happening, and. We have to be inclusive. We have to be mm-hmm. inclusive. You know, we if we're going to be the example, because I see too many free thinkers, non-believers, atheists, humanists, or what have you, pointing the finger at religious people and saying, "This is what you're doing wrong, and this is what's wrong with your ideology," but yet they're not applying the same principles to this community, and I'm saying some of the same issues, and that's where you know my disagreement. <clears throat> Um, and that's where my protest comes in, because we're facing and dealing with some of the same issues within. You're always going to have dissenters. You're always going to have people with opposing opinions and ideologies or what have you. However, to have one specific group of people try to squash or try to squelch or hinder you know, another group's progress. I just think that's wrong. And then also, again, you know, going back to the good old boys network there, you know, that that is coming to an end. And you can tell that it's coming to an end because they're fighting. And they're fighting desperately and they're fighting hard to maintain the status quo. The question is, you know, um, you know we have to move forward. And unfortunately, there are going to be times in order to move forward you're going to have to cut some people loose, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's very important to keep in mind, too, that 
you can um, have allies in the um, religious community. There are a lot mm-hmm. of um, um, religious people that are quite progressive, maybe even more so than a lot of self-proclaimed free thinkers. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I can hate religion all day long for the way that it um, it controls and exploits people, especially people of color. But exactly. that isn't that isn't the fault of a particular religious person. Um, you know, right. it's really not my problem if they if they think it's necessary to give someone ten percent of their earnings. But if this is someone that I can have a a, a true dialogue with about um, issues of social justice and civil rights, then that person will be more of an ally than the atheist who doesn't care about anyone but about anyone or anything but himself. Um, it's exactly, exactly, exactly. A giving, you know, someone of faith that's actually wanting to make improvements in the community, make improvements in mankind, I will take that person who's willing to work with me over a selfish hedonist who only cares about himself and calls himself an atheist. You know, I, mean, uh, I, work, I, I work in a lot of, working a lot of social justice work and community organizing and in particular. And I'm some people are not. Your voice is breaking up. Oh, can you hear, is it better? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, working in this field, you think you don't find a lot of atheists. See, people who may not necessarily be Christian, but they definitely still have some type of belief in a higher power or some other religious belief of some sort. But they're still part of the social justice movement, and they still do make a lot of progressive change in the community that they live in and the communities that they want to help. So, yeah, I actually totally agree with that, that being an atheist does not somehow make you inherently more progressive, nor does it mean that you can't be, but nor does it mean that religious people can't be progressive or people who have a spiritual mm-hmm. belief can't be progressive. And exactly. I agree that we should be connecting. And, in fact, uh, BSLA, which is Black Skeptics LA, we've done work with a, a local church here in our community. And, um, I mean, so the, the pastor was willing to work with us. I mean, he, we were supposed to have a discussion on um, homophobia in the black community at the church, at the church. Unfortunately, there were some issues because the members, the congregation wasn't too happy about that conversation. But either way, (laughs) yeah, they weren't. But um, either way, my plan is that there there are people who might be open to having certain types of discussion. And in fact, um, I've actually heard a lot about there are preachers or people who are involved in religious communities. I heard this about a couple of years ago, and I heard it again recently, that there are people who go into those areas of work to do, you know, religious work, but it's really because they really want to help people and they don't really know of any other avenue to do it. And I exactly. think do exist, and that, which is why some people work at the missionary church because they have, they have a homeless shelter or they have a women's shelter or they have a food bank. And so they become a part of that community because that's the work that they want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, um, at my old church there is a woman there. Um, she has, she's actually still a very close friend, and she was even my confirmation sponsor. And she leads Mission, mission to Haiti, um, three times a year. She runs all the church youth groups. Um, she works for Food for the Poor, which is a Catholic organization um, uh, here and in South Florida where they give um, three meals a day to the homeless. And it's, it was always a situation when we were, um, when I was still at the church and, you know, she and I would try to round up volunteers to do things, crickets. 
And I only see a bigger issue of that um, a lot of times in the atheist community where there will be um, atheist leaders trying to say, hey, why don't we do this and that and raise money for this and that charitable organization or donate our time and volunteer, and it will be crickets. And, you know, one thing I need to remind people, um, like, on a you know constant basis is just because someone is religious doesn't mean they're not humanist, and not all atheists are humanists. Just because you're atheist doesn't mean you give a shit. <laughs> Exactly, and that's the reason why we did the show defining the different terminology. You have different type of humanists. You have Christian humanists and you have secular humanists. We're secular humanists. They are Christian humanists. And, you know, I tell people to educate themselves about the different terminology because you have people out here calling themselves all of these different things, and they're the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I, and, and as it goes to the point, I, I'm a big fan of the direct approach. Um, we're we're all on social media now, you know. I, you know, I'm, I'm I have my own little Facebook page. If somebody says something stupid or insulting or somebody, because now you know my circle has become bigger, where you know there are people of all kinds of things that have just come on my page, and we will talk, and I'm I'm happy to have them as Facebook friends and things like that, or on. If you say something stupid, I'm real happy to first call you out, and then you, if you're just going to be insensitive and foolish about it, I'll block you and happily tell the rest of the audience, hey, this person has been ejected from the club. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? If we Let's do the same thing. Let's, I, I'm a fan of that as a, the, the direct approach. If you're going to be an armchair humanist or an armchair free thinker where you're just going to say things or you just want to get there, I'm not even a big fan, and I'm be honest. It's one thing to say, look, I'm not religious, I don't believe in anything, but I'm not a big fan with every day trying to stoke an argument with a Christian or with a Muslim or with a Buddhist or whatever. Right. Look, that's what you do. Exactly. As long as it doesn't inflict, if it, if it doesn't come into contact with how I live my life freely and with the rights I was born with, then do what you do. Like, like, like you said, hey, man, you give it 10% to somebody else, that's none of my business. I'm not going to insult you for that. But, you know, in a lot of our communities, and I've seen it too, you just want to say something mean about Jesus, well, knock yourself out. But how's that helping my community? And I would rather join arms with a with a, with a religious person who, hey, man, let's go on food drives. In fact, up until recently, and I don't know of that many in my area, um, I pretty much do a lot of my outreach stuff with religious things. I donate blood, you know, and, and, and big, you know, Things like that, you know, they're folks giving out condoms. Hey, man, okay, it's from exactly. a church, so hey, they're doing it. So let's, let, I'm down with calling people out. If you're not doing it, or if you, let's say for instance, if you, if you if black people thinkers put something out, hey, we're doing a, a some whatever kind of drive is going on, a charity event, or, or some kind of outreach community wide, and you don't show up, hey, man, you, I, you, you can't talk anymore. Don't they, don't don't rag on a Christian because a Christian mm-hmm. would show up. You know what I'm saying? I, I think uh, some, some actually will. I think it's it's really important too that well, and for me anyway, I don't know how anyone else feels, but that term free thinker is like kind of annoying to me now, um, mm-hmm. because we have people that leave um, very religious communities and then they decide um, they don't believe anymore, and that's fine. But instead of you know. I'm just educating themselves about the world around them. They want to consume all the words and workings of um, Harris, uh-huh. Hitchens, and Hawkins, and all of a sudden, every word out of their mouth is a regurgitation of what some famous atheist said. How exactly are exactly. you thinking for yourself at that point? <laughs> exactly. Oh, you, you and I have had this conversation. You know, I've talked about that on several different shows. 
you know, the same way that you hear some of these atheists, free thinkers, non-believers, humanists, whatever, you hear them quoting, you know, Dawkins, Hitchens, and Harris, and all of them. It's the same way that a lot of religious people quote the Bible or the Quran or whatever it is that they're quoting. It's the same thing. I want to know what you're thinking. I want to know where your head is. What are your thoughts? How do you feel about that particular situation? And, you know, tying that back into the earlier conversation with intersectionality, part of that, as far as I'm concerned, in a free thought community is working with the religious community. Now, in some cases, it's just not going to happen. They're not going to want to work with us. And in some cases, we're not going to want to acquiesce, if you will, to some of their demands. That's going to happen. And you know what? That's okay. Because where one won't, another one will. Believe that. But, yeah, again, we, we're going to have to get out there and do more outreach into the communities. Um, you were just talking about, um, you know, doing some outreach. Um, Sakibu Hutchison, again, Black Skeptics Group in Los Angeles, they have a scholarship program in which is geared toward LGBTQ youth that have come out of, you know, fairly difficult situations, whether it's foster care or homelessness, et cetera, and they are still taking donations because the scholarship isn't just a one-time thing. This is a program that they're going to continue to do. And you can send your donations to them at blackskeptics at gmail.com, blackskeptics at gmail.com. That's their PayPal. If you want to send them a note, you can do that as well. Now, I can get behind something like that, you know, offering scholarships to, you know, young people to encourage them to continue on with their education. That is wonderful. You know, they have a women's and leadership program. Those are the types of things that I can support. I think I remember I was talking to Raina. Um, this was after someone posted something about um, um, Richard Dawkins um, and his reaction to a female skeptic that um, had felt um, harassed um, during the convention. And um, with, uh-huh. um, and his response to her, and how some people were defending him, and it just reminded me of all the the church pastors and deacons and priests who do like really shady, messed up things, and everyone defends them because of their position. They're above being questioned. That's another issue I have with that term, free thinker, where there's this famous atheist. So I'm going to consume all his his words and forget individual thought. And if this person should do something wrong, I'm not going to hold them to the same standard as I would hold the average person. I'm not going to give on to them the same criticism I would give a religious person. They get a pass because they're atheists. So a lot of people falling exactly. into that trap. Exactly. I'm right there with you. Well, you know this. You know, I'm right there. If something, if something is wrong, if someone is wrong, you call it out whether they're in leadership or not, whether they're a believer or a non-believer, wrong is wrong. And, yes, I'm saying that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm starting to see the same type of paradigm being set up on this side of the equation, and we need to start addressing it before it takes root, seriously, because it's, it's turning into the same bullshit that we talk about on the other side of the equation. It's turning into I'm, that. But as far you know, what you're saying about the word free thinker and free thought, well, I've been warning people for a while that I've seen a lot of religious people and people that are still in the church, they're starting to call themselves free thinkers. So what's happening Uh-oh. now is, you know, <laughs> wow. yeah, these are wow. becoming 
they're becoming conflated. And that's why I tell people it's important. If you call yourself a free thinker, if you call yourself a humanist, atheist, non-believer, whatever, understand the terminology. And not only do you should you understand it, you should be able to define it on demand. Understand who and what you are and understand what's happening. But, again, you know, um, it's, it's just as important that as an individual, because, again, we can't force anyone to do these things, but I just feel as though if you're out here and you're trying to represent, if you will, represent because you want to and, and that you understand, but, yeah, you know, you got people out here who can quote, you know, some of these atheists, you know, like the back of their hand, but then when you ask them their personal opinion, you know, it turns into this thou wow. And I'm like, seriously? No, I mean, I've, I've been in conversations with people where, you know, there'll be a disagreement, people are going back and forth, and then one person just comes out of the woodwork well with, well, Sam Harris says, blah, 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 and yeah. apparently that's supposed to be like the, like the decider, the discussion ender, like yeah. I'm right because I'm quoting the Sam Harris. Like, huh? <laughs> Even if they're completely I, you know wrong what? or it has nothing to do with it, the discussion whatsoever. It goes back to that, um, what we were speaking about, where there's a lot of things that are, people are bringing over from all the old Abrahamic religions. And when, it, when we're talking about the atheist, free-thinking, and humanist community, what they're bringing over, what a lot of folks are bringing over is from these old religions is this belief in the infallible human avatar. And we gotta exactly. look, we got to start calling cast on that. Because let me tell you, Real time with Bill Maher pretty much closed the gate for me on Richard Dawkins himself, Christopher Hitchens, and Sam. Um, we we even in the free thinking community we have our quote unquote holy trinity. You know, it's, right. it's Hitchens, Harris, and and Dawkins, and whatever they say is gospel truth. And not really because I watch these guys; they've been on this man's show. I mean, and I, Hitchens lost me because of the sexist and, quite frankly, homophobic things he said about Wanda Sykes at the president's um when she hosted yeah. that, uh, she was the MC at the president's exactly. dinner. And then Sam Harris, at like a week after, you know, Sandy Hook coming out and talking about the benefits of being a gun owner and totally bypassing, you know, any kind of actual free thinking. He's going along with this kind of, hive mind that thinks we need guns and a bullet can solve everything. So already Whoa. we should be able to, Not in the sense of Paris, but I, I just want to point out real quick that just because someone disagrees with us doesn't mean that this thought process isn't one that no, they formulated on their own. I'm, I'm all good with disagreeing with it, right? But, you know, at that time and with that situation, he was wrong. I'm just. I'm of not course. saying that I'm well, going to disagree with him. I agree he was wrong, but uh, what I disagree with is, is um, saying that he was going along with the hive mentality. There are people that genuinely, truly believe that they need guns or that they want guns and should be entitled to guns without even understanding the laws, um, whether they be on a federal or um, a state level. They just want them, and that is their personal opinion, not even... Um, you know, influenced by anyone else's opinion. Just like you have so many people that are anti-contraception um, because, right. well, I have four kids and I absolutely love my kids, so no one else should be able to have an abortion, you know, that kind of mentality. No, no, I agree, and I agree. And I'm only, I only, I, only I, I, I really brought that sense up. I mean, I only brought that situation up um, in reference to, to what he said. And, again, just because I'm not religious, I don't believe that the young children that died there up in heaven with the angels and stuff like that. But then again, I have a sensitivity 
to the families in that situation. And and to come in there and and and, and, and for for at least in my opinion, and you're right, that doesn't make him a hundred percent wrong in a lot of those things. But just the way he was coming at it, it's like, dude, you know, first of all, that's that was tactless, and then second of all, you know, it, you don't don't put it out as the people who think maybe we should come to the table and come with some form of regulation or some kind of new resolution about guns are somehow being naive, which is kind of how I, we presented it. I agree it. with that. I, I completely agree oh, with yeah, that. I, I remember so it was, it was, key, and it was, it was key and a religious seconds, um, We're down to the last 30 seconds of the show, and this was great, and we're going to have to do a part two of this. You know, this is a great show, but we're going to do a part two of this probably at the end of the month. We'll go ahead and set it up for the latter part of June. And, again, new shows come up. Mario and M every other Friday, Carl and Alfred every other Friday, every other Thursday on Blast with Vita. Let's see here, um, Breakbeat with William and Brooke every other Wednesday. It's a lot more coming up, but again, guys, I appreciate it. And next week's show, Black Male Feminist with Anti-Intellect and Xavier. And until then, guys, you all have a great weekend, and thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I know we kind of hijacked the show. Sorry. That's okay. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Wonderful speaking to you all. Thank you. 31st, and then we'll do it again. Part two. All right.